It's my pleasure to bring to you God's word this morning. So let's give our attention to this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. I'll read it for us. It reads, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's it. That's God's word for us this morning. I'm going to start with what this commandment does not say. Okay, we're just going to begin with what God didn't say. And in fact, God through his word and his revelation, which is remarkably realistic and sophisticated, I find that he never says these things. First, it never says it, that you must admire your parents. Hey, that's not the command, that you have to admire your parents. Uh, neither does it ever say you must enjoy your parents. Like your mom and dad have to be the latest, newest, hippest, relevant thing. Your parents don't have to be exactly like your best buddy at school or in the gym or at work. God does not command you have to admire your parents, enjoy your parents. God doesn't even say that you have to imitate your parents. I mean, I think that's something we would figure would be there, but he does not say throughout the entirety of his word that you must copy exactly what your parents are like. Never says any of these things. For those of us on this day who kind of dread this day, some of us, Mother's or Father's Day, because you're kind of forced to go face or you recall some really, really bad memories, you might really like this part of church today for the first time. Like, thank you very much. I never knew this. We should be done. We're finished. I don't have to admire them. I don't actually have to enjoy them. I don't have to imitate them. I'm doing that. Thank you very much. But we need to continue because God does say to do something. God also doesn't say, remarkably, trust your parents. It doesn't say trust your parents. Why not? Because some parents all too often and all parents, all parents in this room, all parents who've walked the earth under our fallen condition, at one point or another, you shouldn't want your kids to copy you. You shouldn't want your kids to trust you. You shouldn't want your kids to admire or enjoy you. All parents at one point or another have not been admirable. We've not been exemplary. We've not been godly. We've not been patient. We've not been wise. We've not been mature. Some parents too often and all parents at one point or another are just downright conflicted, really stressed out, maybe abusive, manipulative, evil. And so God never says that you should trust your parents if your parents have proven to be not trustworthy. I mean, God never says you should become just like your parents if you no, without a shadow of a doubt, that your parents have not been a good example. Well, how about obey your parents? I mean, that must be in there somewhere, right? Obey your parents. Well, Confucius did teach this. Confucius clearly taught you should obey your parents. It's called filial piety. 
And filial piety asks for loyalty, respect, and includes, quote unquote, unquestioning obedience. And a lot of us think that what Confucius thought, taught is exactly what Jesus taught. You might have even grown up in Asian churches and you get really confused with Confucianism and actual Christianity. Confucius taught for filial piety, there is unquestioning, unwavering obedience to your parents. Jesus actually didn't teach that. Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, you say, well, it says right there, Apostle Paul says, children, obey your parents. Ah, but you got to pay attention to the first word. It said children. The Greek for that is, you are not yet a discerning, mature adult. You are a little child. You're a non-adult. And of course, for the norm is little children, in that season of time, to honor your parents does mean to obey your parents in the Lord, in the Lord. But there's also a season of life where you do grow up to become adults and full-fledged adults with a mind, hopefully after shaped by Christ and his word and his Holy Spirit, where obedience is no longer so guaranteed or expected or even appropriate at times. So here's what God did not say. That you have to admire, that you have to enjoy, that you should imitate or even trust and obey as adult children. Well, what did God say? Here it is. The fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. God does command, honor your parents. No matter who your parents have been, no matter what your parents have been like, no matter what they've done, no matter if they, they've succeeded or failed, no matter if you're proud of them or embarrassed of them, the command is to honor your parents. Now please, my friend, if you have suffered, really, the likes of abuse and trauma, where this command hits you and it hits you so hard and it's actually pretty offensive, I do assure you, please seek godly wisdom and counsel about this. But what God lays out here for most all cases in parent-child relationships is, insofar as you can, the command is honor your parents. You know, the larger catechism, which is an old tool to understand the Bible, question and answer format, it actually teaches that it applies the fifth commandment to all kinds of parental figures. It's not just to your biological parents. Of course, it's to your parents who might have adopted you. It's to the actual parents who did parent you while your parents are way too busy with work. All parental figures fall under this command to honor your parents. The larger catechism goes on to say it actually applies to superiors, superiors. Well, what it means by that is people who outrank you, people who have a higher position, people who may have more experience, people who have gained more practical wisdom, people who are just more talented. They're ahead of you the command would apply there as well, to honor those who go above and beyond you. Last but not least, honor your parents surely applies to all authority figures as well. Policemen, law enforcement, government officials, officers, and your boss at work. 
Now, it's important here then, if honor your parents applies to all kinds of people in, uh, in our lives, it's important to, important to distinguish what is true honor and distinguish it from false and maybe familiar notions. To honor someone does not mean you have to have great perfect feelings for that person. To honor someone in authority or a superior or parental figure does not mean you have to face, force, or fake your feelings. To honor someone surely means it goes beyond just having nice positive feelings. What does it mean to honor? It means a biblical decision to value parents and parental figures with dignity and courtesy and appreciation. To honor someone is a decision. It's a demonstration. It's not just feelings or the lack thereof. It's something you do where you value someone. You value them with dignity and courtesy and appreciation. Can I speak to some of you who I know well and I love you? I love you. I love our church. But people can see it 100 miles away. You go through life having a problem honoring people who might be older or in authority or like your boss or someone who's above you. You just, you just do. It's a huge chip on your shoulder. And maybe your philosophy in life goes something like this. Well, I'm only going to give honor to those who personally earn it from me. You're going through life saying, I'm only going to give respect and honor to people who prove it that they're worthy of it from me. Can I let you in on a dirty little secret? Just a dirty little secret. You might think that's cool. You might think that's grown up. You might think that's independent. But it actually proves that you're very childish. The inability to honor those who went before you actually shows more about your pride. It actually shows more about your immaturity. It actually just shows off to the whole world you got all kinds of past issues that you have not resolved. And it's pretty universally true that people who may be just older than you, bosses or officials or even pastors or other people, if they look at people who refuse to honor, like you're the type that will never give honor and respect, I'll tell you it's really this simple. You won't be honored as well. You know, Joseph at work in the Bible was promoted and promoted and promoted, and he was just excelled at what he did. I'm just talking about the workplace now. Any workplace, name me any workplace or any field. Do you know the people who really become great? You don't have to be crazy. You just want to succeed. If you really want to become great, and I'm sorry to refer to it. I mean, just look at King James, LeBron James. Have you ever heard his interviews? He's in the discussion now. Is he, is he the GOAT, the greatest of all time? Some people get offended, they're outraged. Some other people are saying, absolutely now He fits in that category with Michael Jordan. Have you heard LeBron James interviews? Have you heard him talk? That man is a historian. That man is a student. That man always gives due honor to how much he has modeled and learned from all the greats who have preceded him. If you have a hard time giving honor, you won't be honorable and you won't be honored. It's that simple. Let alone when God commands it, what does God have in mind? Why would God want you to honor 
all parental figures. Oh, he talks about long life here. Let me just translate some of that. There is no other road where you can gain true wisdom for life. Now, of course, in every culture, to show proper honor to parental figures and authority figures differs. It differs. You know, I had a professor over at Princeton Seminary by the name of Dr. Sang Hyun Lee, one of my favorites, and he used to share this famous story that those who are more Eastern or Asian, when they saw him through the hallway or out in the courtyard, they would give a deep bow, the 90-degree bow, and they would say, hello, Dr. Lee. Then you would see other students who might even be Asian, but they're much more Americanized. They'd come right up to say, hi, Sang. He'd have Asian Americans, those who are still more Asian, give a deep bow. Those who are more Americanized, hi, Sang. And then, of course, the funniest is the ones who are just caught and confused in between. Some people would come up and say, hi, Dr. Lee. You know, for you and I to learn how to give proper honor to value and show courtesy and appreciation and dignity, depending upon a culture, my friend, is that asking too much of Christian people? That Christian people of all kinds of people on the planet, should they not be in their witness those who honor regardless of whether you felt like that person deserved it. Oh, the objection might go, and I've heard this objection very, time, very often. Well, hell, you don't understand my parents. Um, the only way they feel honored is if I agree and do exactly what they tell me to do. And I'm like 40 years old right now. It doesn't matter what they ask, when they ask. It is overbearing. It's demanding. It's just so burdensome. My parents don't feel honored. They have twisted this into a Confucian understanding and they expect that the Bible says, well, honor me means still as an adult child, you must obey me in everything that I ask. Well, I'll just give you a practical principle or else you're gonna be angst-ridden and conflicted and all torn for the rest of your life. And I don't know how to apply it specifically for each and every one of you, but you do need to go and think about, and pray about, and you need to find ways, find ways in which you show and demonstrate honor to your parents without having to obey them in everything that they ask you to do. The command of God is to honor your father and your mother. That does not necessarily mean road obedience to everything that they ask of you, especially if you think it is ungodly or unwise. But it does mean that we give dignity and courtesy and appreciation. You know, my younger sister lives down in San Diego. My mother, who got remarried, moved to San Diego. Geographically, emotionally, psychologically, relationally, my younger sister is closer to my, uh, to my mom. It's wonderful. When my dad was around, I was closer to my dad. And actually, my younger sister felt like she wasn't as close. Every family is different, different dynamics. Natural affinities are different. Your experiences, how you communicate, how you bond. Every family is different. But here is what God is commanding his people to do. God would not command something if you were doing it naturally anyway. 
The reason why the command honor your father and your mother exists is to say that you got to do both. You can't pick one. And where God speak really hits home is that for those of you in this room, you find it really easy to honor your mom. Mother's Day is your favorite, but Father's Day is a dread. Some of you might be looking forward to Father's Day and you just can't wait till Mother's Day is like forgotten and over. But what the scriptures speak and what God's will and heart for us is, is that you would honor both. And I think what that would mean is honor particularly the one that might be most challenging and painful for you. You know, when my dad fell ill, all of a sudden, eventually died from an aneurysm. I had stayed home at Torrance. And I remember it came to me this week by his bedside, I was singing his favorite hymns. I sang his favorite hymns over and over and over and over again. He couldn't talk, he couldn't respond. One point he did get up and look like he was conducting. He was ready to go to heaven and sing. But you know he endured. The doctors would say he has very little time left. He has very little time left. My younger sister was a freshman at Cal and she flew down. My dad waited. My dad waited until she could come down and see her face to face. And I think that was a very, very important moment in both of their lives. Because you don't always get a chance to value your parent with dignity, courtesy, and appreciation. What really dawned on me was I'm sure my dad was holding out till my sister came because he could not stand my singing and he could not wait until Linda sang. And then he was ready to go. What does God not say? What does he say? Here's the third. How to do it. How to honor your father and your mother. Well, I told you this is commandment number five. The key that unlocks all the commandments is commandment number one. The key to obey all the commandments is if you just keep commandment number one. So if you just want to keep it nice and simple, the 10 commandments just boil down to the first commandment. And the first commandment reads this, verse three, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. This is how you actually honor your parents because here's how it works. When you put someone else in the position that only God deserves. When you expect someone to deliver and do for you what only God can give you, like in marriage, that's why we call it a codependent relationship. You know, marriage is a lot of codependency. What that means is you, ex you, you, you need the other person way too much or you need to be needed way too much. And through this entire series of real life relationships, what we've been talking about is the only person who can fulfill all the deepest aches and needs of the human heart is not your friend. It's not your spouse. And surely it's not your parent. And when you begin to grasp that when you love and know and value and experience the true reality of God in your life, every other relationship will fall into its proper place. When you and I are able to taste and enjoy on a regular basis how much God knows me, 
how much God values me, how much God loves me. Here's what you can do with your parents then. You see, you don't have to turn around and expect your parents to be God. They no longer have to play God to you. Some of you are still so dominated and controlled and affected by what your parents have said or done. I will not even go to the depths of understanding what they may feel like for a lot of you. But I do tell you that when you allow another human idol or person to take the place that only God can fulfill, this is what we call all the results are going to be the fall, the fall. And so when God is truly God, the one and only God, and you have no other gods before him, and you don't expect your parents to be God, or you still blame them because they utterly failed to be God, you're no longer controlled, and you finally are keeping the first commandment where you have no other gods but him. If you really want to love someone well, if you want to love someone well, well, what we might call your capacities, your fountain, your battery supply needs to be full. And when God says, you shall have no other gods before me, he's just saying, uh, I got to make sure you're full. I got to make sure you're fulfilled. I got to make sure you know how loved you are. And when you are, there are miraculous changes, patterns of pain and all kinds of healing that can erupt. I'll share one story in the Father's Day, but this is how you do it. Let me just close with this. It is Mother's Day. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose sight of it. It is Mother's Day, so I'm just going to give some gospel wisdom for moms. You know, last week I read this story from Washington Post. I nearly could not believe it. 18 years ago, a woman had lost custody of her two children, and then she was in an abusive relationship that led to a miscarriage. So this woman drove all the way down from South Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida. Her mind was on autopilot, but she had no intention of doing something illegal or criminal. That's what she said. But on the morning of July 10, 1998, Gloria Williams posed as a nurse in blue floral smock, green scrub pants, and walked into a hospital's newborn ward with the bag, and she put a bag, bag, a baby in her bag and left. A trial just took place over Gloria Williams, who kidnapped a child who was not her own. And the biological mom showed up, and she is asking for death. Last week, you can look it up. And of course, this reminds us, it should, if you're familiar with Bible stories, about two prostitutes, two women came before King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 3. And both women were claiming that the one living child, the same child, was their own because another's newborn child had died in the night. King Solomon, who had prayed humbly to have wisdom from God, made a brilliant move to discover who is the real mom. He took out a sword, brought the baby in front, and said, well, I'm just going to cut and divide the baby in two and give each woman half. Endowed with the wisdom of God, King Solomon wanted to see what ruled their hearts. And here's what the second woman replied. She immediately agreed. Quote, he shall be neither mine or yours. Divide him. 
Now, why would the second woman blurt out an insane remark like that? That child can't be mine or yours. Just, uh, yeah, go ahead, let's cut him. Well, it's because being a mom became her king. Motherhood ruled her heart. She's the type of woman like Gloria Williams who do anything to get it. She'd do anything to keep it. And if she couldn't have it, no one else should. You know, ironically, when motherhood or fatherhood or parenthood or coaching or overeducating or overprotecting or overworrying or overbearing and overdoing all of it over, over and over and over, can I ask you, parents, my fellow parents, do you know that that can become even more important than the life of the child? We say it's for the love of our child. No, it's really the love of ourselves because what rules our hearts is parenthood. Oh, but the first woman comes along and here's what she says to King Solomon. Give her the child. Give her the child and by no means put the child to death. Oh, the first woman sacrificed her own motherhood for the life of the child. The first woman gave herself up for another person's life. King Solomon discerned right away, the first woman is the real mom. At least that's how real mom should be. Because the first woman demonstrated the wisdom of God and how it works. The wisdom of God is not like the natural worldly wisdom that we're all born with. Natural worldly wisdom just tells you this, get what you can, get what you can, do everything you can to get it, keep it, protect it, and keep everything under control. But the wisdom of God, derived from the love of God, is blurted out to the first woman, and what she says is, no, I'm not gonna get what I can, I'll give up what I have. Take me and not the child. This is why at the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Son, cried out to God the Father, whom he had perfectly honored through all of eternity. He cried out to God the Father, Father, cut me, not them. Tear me, not them. Divide me, not them. Take me, hurt me, don't hurt them. And did you know, this is why Christian people call the Church of Jesus Christ, we are actually called to do exactly what Jesus did for us. We are called to both father and mother the family of God. If you have not just seen, but you have tasted what Christ has done for you at the cross, you'll be able to share exactly what he's done for you. And Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 11, we are all as Christian people called to both father and mother, even in the church. How? I'll just close with this. Singularly, one of the most godliest people I've ever met was a single missionary woman who went to Brazil and taught me back in my youth group days by the name of Guangja Park, KJ Park for short. She died and went to be with Jesus last year. But a good friend of mine who happens to be a children's ministry director up in NorCal by the name of Gloria, Gloria Lee, she posted this on Facebook last year. I would just love to share this with you. 
of her encounter with K.J. Park. K.J. Park asked one day of Gloria, how are your children? And then Gloria replied, Dr. Park, um, I'm not married and I don't have kids. Gloria thought that Dr. Park in her old age was just forgetting things. Dr. Park came back in her usual gentle voice and here's what she said. Gloria, first of all, please call me KJ. We learn from each other. Second, I know you're not married. But all the children in your ministry are your kids because you care deeply about their spiritual lives. You are their spiritual mom and for some kids, you're the only spiritual mom they will ever have. And Gloria posted that KJ Park for her became the first example of how ministry can be limitless regardless of marital status or how many biological kids you may have. You know, on this Mother's Day, I just want to leave us with a question. King Solomon wanted to see it. What rules your heart? What's your greatest treasure? And if motherhood or parenthood or your kids right now or anything else in all the world rules your heart, you are going to live out the wisdom of what you treasure. And it's always limited, it's disappointing, and it's actually life-taking. But if you do treasure the one and true king, you have no other gods before God. If you really treasure who your kids really belong to, you're going to get to live out the wisdom of his. You'll get to live out the wisdom and the love of Christ. Not my life, but yours. My life for yours. Let me pray for us this day. Father in heaven, we thank you. God, for the riches and the power and the force of your word, but I do pray that it would not only bring force and conviction, it would bring healing and grace. Oh God, work in very, very deep parts of our soul so that we in turn might be able to honor our fathers and mothers because we see from you, God, what we need most. <clears throat> and we do pray that you would turn our church into a community, a family of people who so care, who so love, who so give up lives for another's that your children, oh God, sons and daughters might be raised and fully built into the likeness of Christ. Hear us this day, oh Lord. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.